1: The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton Podcast.
2: Welcome to episode 142 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Blessed to say, we've been joined by the big fight weekly's presenter, uh, Everton, as well, of course. Second time on the show, Chris assume. Chris, you looking a bit tired, there, mate?
3: <laughs> Just a bit, mate. It was, uh, a long weekend of fights, some really enjoyable fights, some shocking fights as well uh, along the way. But yeah, I' looking forward to finishing this and going straight back to bed. If I'm honest, mate. It...
2: <laughs> yeah, it was it was very very busy last night in the in the world of uh, obviously boxing, UFC. And you mentioned there was a little bit of uh, bare knuckle stuff going on going on as well. Um so yeah I imagine it was a it was a busy one. Um busy one at Goodison Park as well, as as much as um it wasn't particularly overly entertaining, should we say, in the in the grand scheme of things. Um Everton won, Nottingham Forest won, first point of the season on the board. Uh that's a positive that, that, that's for sure. But but Chris I'll I'll come straight back to you. What did you make of the, of the game yesterday? Um, did you feel that we maybe deserved more than the points?
3: At your first 20 minutes, I thought we were fantastic. We were moving the ball about. demari um, Gray and Anthony Gordon were making spaces. I've never, I haven't seen Tom Davis make so many decent runs into the middle You know, to open up space for a long time. I just thought after the 20 minutes, we, got, we just put ourselves deeper and deeper and, and invited Nottingham Forest on. And I just thought then we went toothless, didn't we? You know, it was still good having sort of Rondon there. He was a vocal point. We all know what Rondon offers, so he doesn't offer much, but he was a vocal point and we were sort of breaking, you know, when he was coming to the ball and bringing people in play. I just I thought after the 20, first 20 minutes, we were just toothless. And you just saw again where the irony is we need a striker, we need someone at the top that can score. And if we're not, if we're going to keep playing like this and take too long to bring a striker in, you worry what's you know what's forward for us.
2: Yeah, obviously we'll we'll touch on the striker situation shortly, but it was obviously uh Salmon Rondon was given the nod yesterday. A lot of uh, outcry from fans after what we saw at uh, at Villa Park last weekend. Obviously Rondon came on and made 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 a bit of a difference and starting with the with the three wide players if you like as a, as a front three didn't really work at Villa Park. You know, we were we were going long and it, it obviously the ball was not was not sticking. But then yesterday Rondon comes in and gave us a bit of a, a bit of a focal point and, and we we did look, I thought, especially like you mentioned, those those first 15-20 minutes, we looked like we were we were quite dangerous, we had quite a bit about us, the, the movements of thought well from the wide players and also the you know the midfielders in terms of Awobi and Tom Davis was good. And we looked like we we were we were going to be going to be a bit a bit of a threat, but like Chris said, Lee, you know it was um, a good opening to the game. Um, And it sort of as as the first half went on, we sort of went into our shell a little bit and and, uh, reverted back to type almost.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those isn't it. When you're on top like that and you start with such energy, you've got to score, haven't you? If you get a if you get an early goal. Like I think Frank alluded to it after the game. You know, when you're on top life, you get an early goal. I think the game then goes on to be, you know, relatively comfortable. Uh, the movement was good, like you said. Um, you know, we were creating chances. And, and it's probably the best we've played since the start of the season. Not to say we played really badly in the last two games, but there's been a bit of a similar pattern, hasn't there? Certainly after the first 20 minutes yesterday, where we just didn't really carry that, that consistent threat where we're penning teams in, did we, at all? And, um, you know, the lack of a focal point definitely makes a big difference. I know I know, Rondon obviously came in and we know what Rondon's like. He's obviously, you know, let's be honest, he was never the most gifted in his prime. And he's certainly not the most gifted now. The fact that we're left with him as our only really fit striker at the moment says it all. So it is a shame because, you know, this is costing us points and we've got three tricky games coming up after this. Um, which are all going to be pretty difficult. You know, Brentford away. Obviously, we've got Liverpool as well. Leeds away, which won't be easy. So um, it's a shame we just couldn't get over the line yesterday and pick up those three points. Because I think, despite all the signings, um, and they will take time to adjust. I think I think Forest will will struggle this year, won't they? Just particularly at the back, they look really vulnerable at the back, and they were very fortunate against West Ham last week and. I just don't think. I think if we'd have had a, you know, a fit Dom in that game, and I know it seems we were saying that in every game here. I think we probably would have won that game relatively comfortably. I think it just it just seems like throwing away points yet again, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not really. I think like a lot of lot of things after the game, and a lot a lot of people were saying, you know, we, we're just we are throwing games away, and we're just accepting the fact that we haven't got a striker. And this is how it's going to be. And I'm not, I'm not of that belief. I don't think the players are going out there in mind just going out there not to win the game. And I think if we look back at the game and we're honest, we had more than enough chances to win the game as well. I think you know there was there were some really decent opportunities across the course at 90 minutes for us to to score more than one. And Gordon with, with a couple of chances, Rondon with it with a decent chance on the turn that he created himself. Um, Tom Davis put, put one put one just wide, there's a couple of decent set pieces coming in where, you know, there was one scramble in the box in the second half that, you know, we had three or four bites at the cherry. I thought that we had, we had quite a few decent opportunities. So I think, I think the line of, you know, saying that we're just accepting that we haven't got a striker, so that that's where we are. Uh, we're not going to win the game. We're not For me, we're not giving up points, it's just No, no I, I'm, not, I'm
0: not blaming Lampard for this. By the way, I'm not holding no, I, understand, I understand it. And no, some I that. Some fans are, by the way, some fans are big time, and we are, you know, the, giving it the, the trotting out the line. We lost Richarlison on the first of July. We should, yeah. I, like I've said on Twitter as well. I'd rather us get the right striker rather than rush and get anybody in just to appease a fan base. Don't get me wrong. I do agree with you there, mate. We don't think we're deliberately throwing away points, but it's just you know losing Dom of all the players we could have lost just before the start of the season he would he would have been pretty much top of the tree wouldn't he in terms of plays you do not want to lose and at the moment I think you know the Chelsea game was tight the Villa game was relatively tight we were just lacking that that finishing touch and also that little bit of guile if I'm honest as well a little bit of guile you know a little bit of quality in the final third where it's someone that can just play the right pass or the right weight of pass or just lacking that little bit of quality, and and I've mentioned obviously Hammers in the past and that you know I don't want to keep on harping on about, but someone of that sort of ilk who always plays the perfect way to pass, yeah, you know I mean you do you, you don't realize in these sort of tight games, those sort of players win your matches, yeah, you know I mean those sort of players with genuine quality win your matches, don't they?
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen, we know we know Dom's a big miss, and we touched on this last weekend. You know he was good to go for the Chelsea game, and then. Sort of 24 hours before the match he, he breaks down and and the plans are then thrown thrown into the into the bin but um you know we, we are where we are with the striker situation so we'll touch on that in, in a second but back to the game Pete obviously me and you spoke spoke before the game um and we spoke obviously on on the way home about about forest in particular as well we thought it'd be a little bit better than he actually were didn't we yeah abs-
1: absolutely and i, I think that's Maybe one of the slightly disappointing things about the result, I thought Forest were extremely poor, uh, particularly compared to how they played against West Ham. Uh, And um, you know, look, I know West Ham had a penalty saved and they they missed some big chances, but I thought across the game, Forest absolutely bullied West Ham. You know, they're big physical team; they were really organised. I thought every time they broke against West Ham, that they looked really, really dangerous, and that you know they broke with purpose, they used the ball well. And all of that was absent against us. I mean, when I saw our team, I've, I've got to admit, when I saw that Owobi and Davies were playing in the middle together in a two, I thought there's a real danger of them getting bullied, you know, by, you know, by a, a, a big, aggressive midfield. And, you know, O'Brien last week for Forest got man of the match. You know, he was absolutely sensational. So I, I thought it was your credit to us, actually, how we started the game. And for me, Alex Owobi was man of the match. I, I just thought you ran the show in midfield. Um, and I, I can't remember what minute of the game it was, it was his first half he tracked back i don't know whether it was johnson who broke mm-hmm. through on that on their right hand side yeah, I think, it was, yeah. And I think he ran from more or less the, the the halfway and made made a tackle um sort of on the just to the right hand side about halfway inside the 18 yard box and, and that just epitomized him for me and i think we really needed that kind of uh performance from our midfield to get a foothold in the game and I, I thought first half we were by far the better team um, yeah, obviously the the striker situation is obvious, and you d- you do wonder is it having a bit of a you know an unconscious implicit effect on the rest of the players because there's a pressure for them to step up and score goals, you know. So you do you do think what happens then if a chance falls to a midfielder or you know someone that's not considered to be you know an out and out goal scorer, you know is that affecting the way that we're playing a little bit? Are we playing within ourselves? Are we not you know maybe quite taking chances? There, there were a couple of chances in the second half where. Um, I, I think Henderson made a save, and it sort of uh, pinged around the box a little bit. And I think Davies sort of squared it off. Someone else squared it off, and, I, I, and it, it sort of felt like people were, were a bit cautious about shooting. And you just wanted someone to put put the foot through it. And you do wonder if there's a centre forward on the pitch, and maybe people playing with a bit more freedom. I don't know. Are we opening teams up a bit more? Um, but yeah, I, I thought Forest were were poor really, and I, I don't know what planet. Steve Cooper was on saying that he thought that they should have won the game because, uh, let me tell you now, they absolutely shouldn't. They were they were lucky to go ahead. And f- for me, they, they were lucky to get the draw. I thought we were really unlucky. And it was another good performance, but th- there's only so long I think we're going to be able to, you know, ride that one out, coming away from games that either we draw or lose, feeling that we should have got more, saying, oh, well, you know, it, the, the, the lads put in a good shift. You know, that's... Um, I think that that sort of that horse is coming to the end of its time, I think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because we look a lot more solid, don't we? And it, you know, we do with with obviously Cody coming. in. I know Tarkovsky had a, a, his worst game yesterday. Um, but we do look a lot more solid. We're not getting pulled everywhere. Um, I do think in that formation, I know Pete, you want us to play in a four, but in that formation, you need your full backs to give you to bomb on, don't you? Now, Patterson, I think that comes naturally to him. Mikhailenko, it doesn't. Nicolenko's and we've said it all along he's more of a defensive fullback obviously very good in one v1 situations he's a center back converted to a fullback you know I think there i mean we don't know much about vinagre but from the little snippets we have seen of him he seems to be more attacking doesn't he so I think in those sort of games where you've got you know where you're gonna have most of the ball where you are expected to you know to put te- pressure on teams at home particularly against Forest I just think we just we just lacked that little bit down that left hand side didn't we in terms of just fullbacks bombing on and you know, his first thought, Miko, is to sort of check and come back rather than thinking I'm going to create an angle to whip in a cross. And Did players you, and expect that strikers won't make runs because they know he's not going to cross it. Do,
1: do you think? Do, do you think though, part of that might be because of uh, Johnson and Nico Williams on on their right? Do you think he's kept in because he's he's thought, look, if yeah, you know, if we yeah. get hit the break, we need someone that's solid there to.
0: I agree with that, yeah, because obviously you know Nico Williams has been a good signing for them. He loves to bomb forward, he loves a shot. He's he, you know, and he, he he played pretty well yesterday. But I just certainly certainly maybe with half an hour to go, at least you know, as I said, we've only seen little snippets of Inagre. That, that you know, with the, the bit we've seen him mean, when he came on in in the pre season friendly, he created the second goal, didn't he? he? Got to the byline, clipped it, clipped a lovely cross in, and McNeil scored a header. So. I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm not digging out, Fran. I'm just thinking, like, if you you need your full-backs to bomb on. We do look more solid. That's definitely a positive. Because let's be honest, last last year we were so fragile at times. You know, teams were walking through us. Um, but at the same time, we need to have, you know, maybe a bit more belief and a bit more sort of bop getting plays in the box going forward. There was plenty of times where we got into attacking positions. There was hardly anyone in the box. You know, we haven't got people making runs in behind as much as we should do, really. And you know, look, look at the example. Like, look at the difference Hazus has made for Arsenal already. Yeah, I mean, where they've you know they they would obviously play nice football to a point, and then just didn't have someone to put it in the net. Now they've got someone who's not only putting it in the net. His up play is unbelievable. Now all of a sudden, Arsenal look a million dollars because they've got you know top center forward who looks sharp as a button at the minute.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, there was a lot of that I thought yesterday in terms of when we did get into good positions with our wide players where we, we didn't have the movements, we didn't have the, the bodies in the middle, you know, where we were then finding the wide player having to check back in and hold on to the ball longer than than he would have wanted to. And and that obviously comes with who you've got up top. Um, Whether it be Rondon, who, who played about an hour, didn't he? Um, Which was what, what he could manage, I would have thought, based on the, the fact that he was doing okay. We, we took him off for, for Dwight McNeil and we, you know, we went back to, what it was against Aston Villa really in terms of the the personnel and and three smaller lads you know trying to trying to uh cause issues for the for their centre halves but I think I think going back to your point on, on Michalenko I think maybe that, that is a change that you would look to make even during the game you know when it was nil-nil uh and you know Fatland Park clearly looking to try and win the game with the changes he made with with Onana coming on and, and Dwight McNeil you could then look and go well okay did not cause us too many issues. Let's get an Benag- uh, on for, for Mikelenco to give us a, li- a little bit more going forward. That that passing sense again was on the on the right, but I, I certainly think there was there was positive aspects that we need to sort of keep hold of and, and look at. It's not all all doom and gloom because we we, we dropped a couple of points at home to to Forest. That you know the reaction again to going behind was good. Um, we, you know, we had had ten minutes or so to try and get ourselves back in the game. And we did, and and funnily enough, that came from a, a long ball from Jordan Pickford. And and I thought, Chris, it was a great run from the Murray Gray, wasn't it? From left, right, right through to the right through the middle of the, the Forest defence. Really clever run, good pass from Pickford, great touch from the Murray Gray to bring it down and, and slot it. And I thought, all in all, that was probably the Murray Gray's best performance for I'd say probably over six months, to be
3: honest. He seemed really up for it the entire game. Um, I think the only mistakes he does is when he trying to take too many people on and he gets crowded out, and then he obviously loses the ball. Mm. But, yeah, for the goal, it was fantastic. And, if obviously, Pickford had to sort of make, make up for the mistake he made for their goal when um, Johnson scored. And it was a fantastic, you know, over-the-top ball, great run by Damari Gray. You know, fantastic first touch as well. All, you know, it's all-purposeful if the ball's great, but that first touch has to be perfect. And Damari Gray's first touch was perfect, and... I didn't have any doubt. As soon as he'd be straight on and straight forward towards Henderson, I thought then we were be going to equalise. I'm quite secure with Damari Gray, and he's in those sort of positions. Um, but at the same time, is we need more of that, really, don't we? We need more runs that you know are going to catch out defenders by running off the back of them. We didn't do enough of that yesterday at all.
2: Well, that, that's the kind of thing I think Frank Lampard was alluding to, wasn't he? When he, he said about playing the three wide players across the fronts. that's what they need to do to, to cause issues use your pace to get on the shoulder of the center halves and and cause them a problem and that's what we weren't doing enough of i know at times uh our, our passing from the back to to our forward players is not being great but they've got to be seen to be making those making those runs um and to be fair to the they very very clever up, uh to, to get on, onto the uh, the shoulder of the centre half from left into the middle, and, and the, the touch was great. And, and it was good to see him have a, a really positive impact because he, you know, he, he started last season really well, uh, had haven't scored since Arsenal back in December, if memory serves me correctly. And we, we need, we need likes of him, Anthony Gordon, Dwight McNeil, to all be chipping in with, you know, sort of seven, eight goals a season, um, to take the pressure off that central striker. Whoever it might be. Uh, and I think that outside of Alex Abobi, I thought the Mike they certainly deserved a mention and applaud it and, and was up there for, for for man of the match for me. Um, yeah,
0: he, he bent that run brilliantly, didn't he, Mike? He bent it brilliantly inside. Him. Pick was up that Frank actually said, didn't he? You know, you got asked oh, is is that something you've worked on? And he basically said, Yeah, you know, obviously Jordan's ability to pick a pass. You can hit a flat ball as well, Connie, so you can penetrate it rather than just a floaty one and you know. But he bend that run perfectly. Obviously, you're you worried straight away, aren't you? Thinking VAR but when everything like that. But he was clearly on side, and um, it, it was it was a hell of a finish. Um, and to be honest, we had that chance at the end to win it, didn't we? And, and and obviously, Gordon, it's it's a good chance that it's a really good chance. I mean, good keeping from Henderson. He was on top of him quickly. But I just think, like I said before, you know, a really clinical striker there sees the bigger picture, and either. Slots it low on the half volley straight away before it bounces, or just takes shimmies it round round him and either slots it in or or, or gets a penalty on it because he gets dragged down or something. And that's a massive chance that I mean, and that and that's what we you know it was the same at the end of the game against Villa, wasn't it? We had we had some chances at the end there. We just didn't have that that killer instinct, if you like, just to put it in the back of the net, you know, to get something out of the Villa game as well. And and. As Villa showed against Palace, they're no great shakes. You know, Gerald's under a lot of pressure. You know, he spent a lot of money. They've just agreed to sign Saar now for another £25 million. So, you know, he's trying to spend his way out of that pressure. So, yeah, it's, I don't know what you boys think, but I just think that that's a really good chance to win the
2: game at the end there. really is. Well, we spoke, didn't we, after the game, and from where I was sitting in the corner of the, of the paddock, I thought he, it was literally he had no time at all. So I understood... I watched it back and he had a lot more time than I thought he actually had. Yeah, the, the, the angle where I was, was was quite deceptive, really. And he did. And this I thought about digging Anthony Gordon out because it's a it's a split second decision, isn't it, really? Uh, but he, he had the time to really roll it underneath the goalkeeper as he's as he's jumped. Um, and it was another opportunity for us to take to take more than more than a point. Um, and you could see at the end of the game when Lampard came on, he was talking to Anthony Gordon and they were going through that particular chance. You could see them, you know, they were talking about it. You could see by the, the movement of, of, of uh, Frank Lampard's arms and body that that's, that's the conversation that they were having. Um, but again, what, what, what I like is that we've got the wide players into those positions and that's what they should be doing. That's what we need them to do to be impacting the game in the final third to, to hopefully be scoring more than you know two three four goals a season each we need them to be heading up towards like i say seven eight if not you know ten goals a season um and he was in the right place at the right time but Anthony Gordon had a few a few chances yesterday um outside of outside of that one to be honest um but i think i think all, all in all um you know the way positives to take we were definitely I thought the better side, like like we said, Steve Cooper is on another planet. So he thinks that they should have won that game because I thought they were they were a poor side. I thought it's, it's two sides that may struggle this season. A lot depends on what happens for ourselves in the transfer window. Um, but they they were there for the taking, and and they certainly did not deserve to, to win the game. Um, yeah, I hope they
0: stay up for us as well. I hope they stay up. Obviously, they're a big name in football, and you know I hope they stay. I think they'll find it tough. Like I said, they've had to replace, what was it, like 15 players or something Mm -hmm. like that. But, um, you know, they've clearly given it a go. You know, they're not just accepting that. They're obviously, you know, they're they're signing a lot of players. And I hope they do stay up. You know, I I do like Forest. So I I, I do hope they stay up.
2: Yeah, one of your your proper traditional clubs, aren't they? Uh, Great to see them back in the Premier League. And and hopefully they they have a a half-decent season. But one player we... we did touch on if he was Anthony Gordon, but the reason why we've not gone into, into a great deal of detail is because he's going to be our, our middle section for today. So we're just going to take a, a short break and it's all we'll also about Anthony Gordon. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse Carved in the blood on backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the
3: end, what will
2: I become?
0: Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two.
2: Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. And Anthony Gordon, it's, you know, a hot topic at this moment. Insane. A lot of really, really strong links to Chelsea over the past sort of seven days or so. There's the, the huge interest there, if reported to be believed. Offers have come in, uh, two offers so far, I think, which have been rejected by, by the club. Um, big, big money apparently on the table for, for him. Looks like Chelsea will be coming back in again over the course of the next week with another, another bid. All, all the talk really from. Anthony Gordon's side is that he doesn't want to go that, that's what, what we understand Um how true that is I don't know but I can, I can well believe it he's, he's been in the club since a young he was a young kid it's all he knows he, he's obviously from, from the city he's got a, a, a great affection for the club as well um, but from a, a business perspective and Frank Lampard alluded to this in his press conference you now pretty much everyone's got a price haven't they and if it makes business sense, then these kind of deals do do tend to do tend to go through. Now, in the game yesterday, I thought Anthony got Gordon started particularly well. I thought he was bright, he was lively, had a few chances over the course of the game. Um, but Lee, the whole situation around us, any potential transfer is certainly going to impact a, a lot of of his of his age, isn't it? you know he's only broken into the team really last season. He he was a a pivotal a pivotal uh, player in in our fight for survival and, and one player who, who certainly left it all out there and when we needed him to most. Now, I found yesterday personally as the game went on, he was getting more and more stick after after fans. I think they were quite vocally backing him when his his name was announced, but it, it became it got to the point. Now, I know frustration kicks in, and I know it's easy to then go well. You've been linked with a move away, so I'll, I'll dig you out. But people have got to understand, a lot of his age, this kind of big money move talk to to Chelsea, it's going to impact him quite heavily, isn't it? Yeah, of course
0: it is. I mean, you know, he's he's 21, so he's not you know an out-and-out out kid, but he only just broke in, he was just break through season, obviously, last season. And there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. You know, it wasn't just a... You know, a mid-table season. There was a lot of pressure on him, the club, the players last season as well to keep us in the league, and you know he played his part in that. And we can't forget that. You know he played his part. He scored some crucial goals as well. His energy was infectious. You know Frank clearly sees something in him. Um, You know he he obviously brought Mason Mount through, and he's he's alluded to his you know his, his willingness to learn like Mount and people like that. Do I think he's on the same sort of level as a Mason Mount? No. Certainly not from what i've seen so far but he's clearly got a great attitude and he's willing to learn and get better which is you know half the battle with some of these young players these days um and you know digging him out like that at the end i'm not i'm not a fan of that i'm not a fan of that at all you know he's he's, he's a blue like us um and you know do i think we should sell him if if, if an offer comes in around about 50 mil and I, i've said this to you boys already i, I think we should definitely accept the money. If we can reinvest that on two or three players, because you can amortise these transfers now over five years, uh, six years, wherever the contract is, I think we need, we need more goals in this team. We need more goals in it. And yes, it would be a shame to lose a youth product, but I just don't think, or oh, I've not seen, he's not on that same level as some of his predecessors that have come through, even the likes of Ross Barkley and people like in terms of levels. You know, when I look at players Anthony's age playing for other teams who are in the England squad, so you look at the likes of Saka, Foden, obviously a big example, I just don't think he's on that same level. I just think he's just, you know, he's he's a threat, he's he's technically decent, he's got pace. But there's a couple of times yesterday where he's looking to come in on his right foot, the fullback's made an overlap. You know, just give a little reverse, give a little reverse to the fullback. He's trying to almost do it on his own sometimes. Trying to get you know work an angle for a shot. I look at Saka yesterday. His game appreciation, that second goal for Arsenal there. He's cutting on his left. Look how he shaped to shoot. Reversed it to Ben White. Pull back goal. Yeah, you know I mean it's it's that ability to be able to sort of see the bigger picture. You know, sometimes yeah you can take it. Sometimes yeah you need to pass it. And I just think you know I, I said I don't want to dig the kid out. I think he's been brilliant for us since he's come in. But if you're offered that sort of money and the fact we can reinvest it. I think we have to we have to take we have to take the money. I don't know what you it'd be interesting to see what the rest of you guys think, but I think we have to we have to take that sort of money because I don't think he's he's on that same sort of level as as some of his predecessors, like I said.
2: Yeah, I I, I spoke about this um last week on the on the Toffee Blues was Anthony Gordon and I did say there is gonna be a point and there is gonna be a price that Everton obviously are gonna do business at. And I think if you're gonna guarantee Everton Thirty-five million pounds. So you could, it could be a fifty million pound deal, but obviously, as we have just seen with with uh, Gibbs White going to Nottingham Forest, and they were the guaranteed twenty-five. There's there's ten million pounds worth of add-ons, which uh, almost as good as guaranteed. And then the final nine nine and a half million, they're not going to get in a million years. But if you said to Everton thirty-five million pounds is guaranteed, we do fifty million pound worth of add-ons, and half of those are pretty much guaranteed, then the club the club will take it. Of course, I mean. It's always a gamble because when you when you look at these obviously younger players, you could argue in twelve months' time it, it could be worth sixty million. But then you could also argue the other side that he could go through a season like Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been through in terms of when he was injured for the for the vast majority of it, and he could then lose value as well. Um, I do think the the money which is being currently being quoted is above the value of where Anthony Gordon currently is, and that's just being honest. It is Anthony Gordon. Was fantastic for us last season you know he, he was certainly one of the players who you could never ever argue he, he didn't give 100% effort every single week i think he, he had a personal or felt a personal responsibility to to keep everton in the premier league um and, and that really 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 showed him. sometimes to his detriment later on i think he absolutely just wore himself out just through sheer sheer effort and you know yesterday We know what he's all about um but then it was clear to me that he was being impacted by the crowd i've got to be honest i think as the game wore on and frustrations were were rising the fact that we hadn't scored and then if anthony gordon bear man he got booked pretty pretty early on so we couldn't then dive in and you know look to look to win the ball too often because you know he he could have been sent off so that that clearly impacted his, his game yesterday uh, but people were then moaning and groaning at one point. He sort of put his arm out as if say, What do you want me to do? You know, he he was getting he was getting grief. And that that's for me is not on. And and I get people's frustrations. We're all frustrated. We all think we shouldn't be beating Nottingham Forest at home. Um, but don't don't put it on a on Anthony Gordon. You know, he's he's going through a hell of a lot. Difficult for him to deal with with all this speculation at such a young age. As I say, I don't think he particularly wants it. I think he's he's happy, he's settled, he wants to stay at the club. And it will come down at the end of the day, end of the day to a to a business decision. But Chris, I mean, where, where you sit with this with Anthony Gordon, are, are you very much like like what Lee's just said then? And if if this kind of money that's being quoted, say fifty million pound, is on the table, do you accept
3: it? I, I, th- I think in our current situation, we we need to sort of accept this. You know, and if it all is an agreement, we don't want to lose. Uh, you know, such a, a prospect in Anthony Gordon, but. You know, at this point in time is, do you, do you work with the person to build or do we get in someone that's there and ready that we need? And, you know, you've got to look at the process of like Leicester and other sort of clubs, they build youth academies, don't they then sell them on for big money? And I feel that that's sort of the situation where we need to stop beheading. You know, it, it's not great. I'd rather keep him. But, you know, I mean, turning down 50 million, turning down 45 million, it was quoted on Sky, was at the beginning of the week? That's still a lot of money. And, you know, there's still, what, a week and a half to go for the, before the window closes. We need to sort of get that done quickly, if if that's going to be the route when we're going to sell it, but we need it done quickly. We don't want to get to the last couple of days and say we've got 35-plus to spend and we're running around like, you know, headless chickens, bringing in the likes of bloody Sandro, you know, that sort of type of play, because there's no one on the market because we've sat on it too long. I, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I don't get to understand why people... Uh, Saying a lot of crap about him during the game, but I think a lot of people following the, following the narrative that's been put there on Twitter, haven't they by journalists and supposed journalists that are you know that write what they want on Twitter, and people take all that in. You know, there's you know there's arguments where he doesn't want to go, and then you read that he does want to go, and I, I think some people haven't got that clear mind where they can think, well, it's, it's a narrative. It's it's not really we've not really heard him say he wants to go, but I think people they read too much into things. And sometimes they, they believe the gospel of, you know, Paul Joyce or something like that. And I don't generally think he wants to go, but it's hard to turn down 50 million at the situation that we're in with FFP. And, you know, it, it, it's one of them where you sort of have to bite the bullet, but you have to do it quickly because it's a week and a half to go and we don't be scratching our heads running around thinking, is this guy available? Is this guy available? And you're looking at the, the lad from Ajax, we're supposedly signing a loan. Their 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 paper have come out today and said that's not even happening we've had no you know offer to that, that Kudus from Ajax so ethics is a bit very strange at the moment but yeah on on the question i i I'd, I'd jump at the chance for 50 million and just you know good luck to Anthony Gordon and just let's push on and get the right players in that can play now
2: yeah i mean i'm i'm concerned for him if he if he went somewhere like chelsea just just speaking from a, a personal point of view I think that it's not the, it wouldn't be the right move for him if, if we look look at it from his level. Uh, you know, you you he can go to Chelsea, he certainly will not be starting week in, week out, and then that then stunts his development. So I know he'll be playing with with better players, but from a lad of his age he's gonna go from playing every single game to sitting on Chelsea's bench. If you're him, you're thinking, Well, why why would I want to go there at this time in my career? Because he, he know he knows he won't be guaranteed game time, but um, it's it's one of those things where, from Everton's perspective, as I say, it purely comes down to to business um, and whether it makes it makes business sense. But Pete, I mean, do, do you think that the you know the rest of our transfer activity in the final week and a half, or you know, of the transfer window, is going to be down to whether we can actually sell Anthony Gordon? I, I I think that's the big question. I think it's really, really easy when you hear
1: these fees being quoted for for Gordon. You know, 35 million, 40, 45. You know, are Everton holding out for 50? It's very easy for, for for fans to start playing Championship Manager in the heads, Think, "Well, what, You know, why don't we just go out and you know buy a a 50 million pound striker?" But you know, it's how that deal's structured, isn't it? How much of the how much of that money are we are we going to have access to? And you know, it, let's say for argument's sake, Chelsea said, "Well, look, we're going to give you." 50 million up front, which is incredibly unlikely for, you know, a, a transfer fee of, uh, you know, that magnitude to be structured in that way. But for argument's sake, let's say that doesn't still necessarily mean that we're going to have all of that money to spend, you know, so you need to factor things like that into, into these equations and also, you know, are we going to be able to identify those targets and, you know, bring them in in time that the, the club will have had a, a particular strategy and a particular shortlist of players and there's then yeah the replacement of gordon you know how then do we factor that in so I, I I think it's very very easy to do simple sums in your head and you know two plus two equals five i, I think the reality is it's, it's a lot more complicated you know yes it would be great to get you know 45 50 million and i i, I agree with what both you and lee said in terms of his market value you yeah, you might argue that that's actually quite overpriced for you know those of us that that watched anti gordon's development and seen him play week in week out it's probably overpriced for you know his level right now or his ability but he's he's a young english player and you know as you know the market gets inflated but i i do think it's a little bit more complicated than you know it it can be made out in the in the papers which obviously sell stories and You know, builds up transfer hype and gets people excited. And, you know, of course, people want the club to spend and bring in exciting signings. But I think the reality, sadly, is a a bit more temperate than that.
0: Yeah, I think definitely, I I think Frank will definitely, and and Kevin Telwell will definitely have their targets, won't they, 100% in case that happens? But it's one thing having a target, it's another thing trying to get the player in, isn't it? It's not easy to sign players. You know what I mean? And we've been, we, you know, if rumours are to be believed, you know, we've been holding out for Brozier for weeks now. And I think the Brosia thing only happens if Chelsea get get Obamiang, for example, or another centre forward. I don't want Batshuai. Uh, you know, he's been around different clubs. Clearly, you know, a bit like Daly Ali, you know, clearly his, his first love is in football. He was awful. He was awful at Palace. Uh, on, on that note with Dali as well, by the way, it clearly hasn't worked out. The deal was structured in a way where it protects us. It was almost like a semi-loan. And, he, you know, again, apparently didn't really want to play yesterday. Uh, so when Frank turns around going, what what attacking subs have I got on here? Uh, and he can't bring anything on, really. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned QDIS C- there, Chris. You know, from little clips I've seen of him, the kid's a really talented player. You can see that. He's obviously had a couple of injuries, which have derailed him a little bit. I'm hoping... You know, I think some prominent journalists have reported on that. I know obviously the telegraph in Holland are saying that there's been no contact, but there's no smoke without fire, I think. I think they are if Delhi does go to Besiktas I think we do go and push for him and get him in personally. I think they're waiting for the Delhi deal to go through. Um, now that sort of player is exactly what we need in terms of, you know, ability to turn on the ball from midfield, drive with it, you know, and 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 you know, those are the sort of signings, the onanas of this world and people are like they're the, you know, they're We've been crying out for some sort of structure to sign these types of players in the right age category with a potential resale value. You know, look at Brighton—they're the perfect exponents of that. Brighton are brilliant. You know, they're potentially selling C- C- Casado now for 50 million. Having sold Cucurella for 60 million, having sold Basuma for 25 million the last year of his contract. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's that's where we—you know—that's how we need to operate. We're never going to have the commercial revenue of a Man United, sadly, or something like that. Where we can spend 150 million every year, or every window. So you know, I do think, yeah, if if he goes, we reinvest. It's a, you know, it's pure profit. We have brought the lad through the youth system, we reinvest and get two or three players with it. You know, if we bring ag- that. Key- Go on, I, Chris.
3: Do, I, I do agree, Lee. Um, you know, I mean, you got to look at, like, say, Anan, and we paid 30 million plus for him, but Leo found him in Germany for six million. So. If we can get that sort of scout range sorted sooner or later, then we can pick these players before the bigger clubs take him, you know, for a smaller fee, and then sell them on for a bigger fee. I think you're right what we say about Brighton, is that they're picking up, like, Casado. And we were linked with Casado at the same time as Brighton were, and didn't pull the trigger on him. You know what I mean? They sent him on loan, and he's come back. And he's a well-suited player, very good technical in, in midfield. But we need to be like that, and pulling triggers on... These young lads, these young hungry lads, getting them in, maybe loaning them out for a season, bringing them back into the first team, and letting them flourish, and then see, you know, the likes of Chelsea, um, Man United, per se, should we say, at this current time, mm. but but making a million a profit, and I think, yeah, we're never going to have that commercial, as you say, like Man United, but if we can get it, get these lads in quicker for a smaller fee. And let them, you know, establish themselves. Then we can sell them off. Uh, You know, keep it like a a rotating sort of situation, and I think that's better for Everton going forward. That's how you improve the squad. Look at Sangari going to
0: PSV for eight million quid. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 now reportedly worth about forty million. Yeah, I mean, so so you know, that's where you know we've clearly got a couple of scouts in France as well, and France seems to be. I mean, we've always said it's a hotbed for young. Young athletes, players who, who obviously were well suited to the Premier League because they can adapt quicker because they're strong, powerful, quick in most cases. So um, yeah, I, I, it's wise of us to be able to sell someone like that, at arguably a higher value than what we think or most people think he's worth, with a view then to basically, like, like I said, potentially signing two or three other players to improve the squad because this squad needs goals, doesn't it? It needs goals, 100%. It needs goals. But
1: I mean, the the, the, the Brighton example. You know, yeah, they've, d- they've done unbelievable business in, in terms of the you know, the recruitment yeah. and player development. But are, are they improving?
0: No, but for them, what is improvement, though, they came top 10 last season, didn't they? That was the highest finish. They, they, they did. They what, did they, they're, not, not, they're not going to finish are, are, are top six, are they? Six, are they? No, well, exactly. And, and why? Well, because at the end of the day, the, what it comes down to as well is can they afford to play? There's a real correlation between wages, isn't there, and where you finish in the league. I think Everton are the, the outlier to that, by the way. But um but in, in gen in general, you know, you look at the wages so those certainly those top four clubs pay compared to the rest of the league is unbelievable. You know, what I mean it's it's like off the scale what they're paying in wages. Um and I, I just think, yeah, you it's a good point, Pete. But I just think Brighton normally, let's be honest, without dealing doing dealings like that, they would probably get relegated, wouldn't they? Or they'd be in relegation scrap every like a Burnley and something like that. But the way they've invested, and let's be honest, you know, Potter as well is a very good coach, isn't he? He's he's a fantastic coach. He's been able to get time in that time to develop the team, play the way he wants to play, and obviously, you know they've they've built they've built a really good team. And let's be honest, if they had a top centre forward, they'd probably be a lot a lot better than where they are as well because they dominate the ball against most teams every week.
2: Yeah, well, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? What's going to happen? I mean, from an Everton perspective, ten days or so of the of the window to go a bit longer. Um, But I I fear that, obviously, getting back to the reinvestments of of the money that gets brought in, I fear that it's going to run until very, very late in the window. That's the concern. Um, So Everton have got to have deals lined up to to replace Anthony Gordon, get a striker in. You know, the Azusa gay deal is dragging and dragging. I've never known anything like it Um, from an Everton transfer perspective. You know, it was apparently done three weeks ago. Uh, but the, there's obviously issues and bumps in the road to get to get over with PSG. But we need to we need to now use the the, the final 10, 11 days of the window to to get these get these players in because it's going to be key now to make sure we've got a balanced squad going into September um, and obviously before we can look at buying players again in January to put ourselves in a half decent position with with some difficult fixtures coming up. Um and, and the fixtures come, come thick and fast, don't they? The, the Carabao Cup kicks off this, this coming week and Everton travels to, to Fleetwood before we then travel to, to Brentford in the Premier League next Saturday. And we're going to discuss them in the final part of the show. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Unholy City podcast. And it's um all the focus now is is on our on our next game and that's that's Tuesday as we, we travel to, to Fleetwood. Been there before a few years ago. Um and it's uh it's always good I think when the the cup cup competitions kick off. It gives us a chance to to see a few of the the players who've not been getting many minutes, especially in the in the second round of the Carabao Cup, to, to get a bit of bit of time on the pitch. And I think that's what, what the case will be come come Tuesday. Um quite a few players who have had quite a bit of time on the bench, coming back from injury as well. We are we are likely to see. Uh, against the side now managed by by Scott Brown, if I'm not mistaken, former former Celtic man, um, and it's it's one of those. It's it's always difficult to predict these kind of games, really, isn't it? Because you know we we don't see much of the the, the lower league sides on a on a weekly basis. Um, Fleetwood obviously currently in in League One, just below mid table, uh, six points from five games. You never read really too much into that kind that kind of thing because. They the always raise the game when it comes to playing a, a Premier League side. But it's importantly, isn't it, to make sure that we the side that we do pick, as much as we think that we're going to see, we're going to see a few a few fringe players. It's importantly that we um, pick a side that's strong enough to to beat a League One side comfortably.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wish it was at Goodison. I feel a bit more relaxed then if it was at Goodison, if I'm honest, but you know what it's like notoriously with everton in the league cup um although we've we've done all right in in the past few seasons but yeah you know arguably if we turn up and i hope frank does put out a pretty strong team uh obviously there will be changes but i hope he does put out a pretty strong team it's an opportunity for us to maybe get a few goals and, and, and build a bit of confidence in the side as well you know they played derby at the weekend obviously against lewis dobbin who's, who's on loan there and I was looking at the stats before, and um, they can see, even though they're at home. Derby had twenty-seven shots against their nine, which is you know, ridiculous. Twenty-seven shots in a game is like Man City levels, isn't it? And it finished nil-nil, which is <laughs> incredible. But um, I do think I do think we sh- you know we should use this as an opportunity to maybe go eighty percent strength, um, and then and, and try and get a couple of goals and. Like I said, just build that bit of confidence in the team because we need it definitely. Um, look, these games are notoriously difficult. They'll be up for it. It'll be a night game, um, but it's one of those, isn't it? Where if our quality, if we turn up maximum for endeavour, our quality will definitely kick through. Um, and hopefully, like I said, we can get a few goals.
2: Chris, what, what kind of importance do you do you place on um, this kind of game? Because you know, Everton one point from from the first three games you look at it and, and think, you know, it's important to try and get some kind of momentum going and this is the ideal game to do that?
3: Yeah, I, I think definitely. Uh, and, you know, to get the confidence for our, our attacking side of the play, to score a few goals and get some confidence within them. Um, and maybe Frank Lampard to try, try a formation, maybe we go four three three. maybe we give that a bit of a go and see how we work with three in midfield. You know, with like being protected, but then again it, it's tangible isn't it do you want to mess around with formations do you want to keep the same one and try and keep the confidence going from what we played with the four with the three four three it is definitely confidence building we, we need to sort of give these players an opportunity sort of to express themselves um and, and give them the confidence to build you know for the brentford game is, as Lee said, it's tricky though, isn't it? Every time we seem to play lower league teams, not not the last couple of seasons in Cups, but we get caught up, don't we? With sloppy defending or not putting the goals away enough. The last couple, we've done all right because we've been to the quarters, haven't we, the last two seasons. But I think, yeah, you're right. But we do, we do need to sort of build the confidence. And if we can get a few goals against Fleetwood, maybe going to Brighton, they'll have a bit more expression, to, sorry, to express themselves going forward in that game. But this is one of them, isn't it? You just don't know in cup games. And this is why sometimes they're quite intriguing. But, you know, it's one of them where you'll sort of see what will happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be used, obviously, in in the right way. For me personally, it'd be great to score, you know, three, four goals if we can. Just because we, we, we haven't looked fantastic in front of goal, And we haven't looked like more than one, which has been shown in the first three games of the season. And, you know, ideally... Some, some of those those players who we need to be scoring, like I said earlier on, eight, nine goals a season. If they can chip in with a couple, you know, players you who don't score regularly like some Alex Awobi, uh, who was really, you know, him personally, he, he he's done really well since about March onwards. But now we need to see a bring bring goals into his game as well. Um so it'd be good if we could if we could, you know, go there and, and get a get a comfortable win. Um but it's never Never ever easy, you know. Last time I think we went to 20 fleet, but it was behind closed doors because it was obviously um, it was in and around Well, COVID had kicked off and, and fans weren't allowed in. So much different this time, piece, isn't it? When you when you go to to a lower league ground and you've got uh, a partisan crowd there, all willing their side on to 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 win the game. Uh, obviously, Everton have got a, a small travelling contingent as well allowed uh, allowed to go. But it's much different when you go when you go to these places. And you, you know the pitches are small, the grounds are tight, the fans are on top of the pitch. and you know it's it's a massive game for 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 that club in particular.
1: yeah,
2: absolutely. yeah, it's it's going to be
1: a completely different pitch. Here. and I, I think again, fans might just need to to sort of set their expectations that we're not necessarily going to rock up and, and win five or six nil because you know Fleetwood will have done a lot of work on this, and they're not going to play football against us, are that they? they're not going to approach this game. same as they were the league one match they're going to have a look at us they're going to be as compact as possible they're going to play horrible football they're going to be knocking it long they're going to be trying to get in behind you know playing for for throw-ins trying to get up the pitch they're not going to try and play a game of football against us they're going to try and make it as difficult as possible you know including the 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 fans and they're going to use everything they can to to get that home advantage so the most important thing from our point of view is to, to obviously try and win the game but i think just to come away Hopefully with no more injuries, I would take that at the moment because, you know, you, you look at the position that we were in last season, I, I think we we need to focus on the league. I think it'd be, be great to try and get fitness levels up, maybe try and get a bit more out of Rondon, maybe have a go at four three three, you know, get get some of the players that have been on, on the bench, on the pitch. But, yeah, let's just go there, hopefully come back with, with the win. I don't care whether it's a 1-0. I'd rather it, didn't, it, it doesn't go... Uh, go on too long um and yeah let's just get everybody back fit
2: Mm. it'd be interesting to see as well you know before that game if any any business is done in terms of the you know the transfer market i'm not saying that they did come into the squad but that always gives a little bit of a lift as well i think to both players manager, fan base um when they see new players coming coming through the door. and obviously, we can then look ahead to to the Brentford game. Obviously, a lot depends on what happens on Tuesday in terms of player availability. I mentioned there, Peter, about the importance of, of coming through the game without any kind of injuries. Um, you know, we've, we've got another week to, to look to bring a, a striker in. Uh, we don't know who the striker is going to be. We don't know if it's going to be a deal which is done, you know, on, on transfer deadline day, There's the talk over this, this is one. Who, who seems to be training on his own currently. Uh, Brozier seems to be the the pick. Um, like you said earlier on the show, it a lot depends on Chelsea getting Aubameyang in, I think, for that deal to actually happen. The player seems keen on the move to Everton. But we do seem to have, have um, put not all our eggs into one basket, so to speak, because there's links with other, other strikers, but he seems to be the preferred, the preferred option. Um, so maybe there's a chance to get... Striker in, maybe there's a chance to get the Gay deal over the line. Maybe there's a chance of getting the Kudas the deal over the line. Who who knows? You know, it could be a busy week in terms of transfers, but, but Brentford are a different kettle of fish, aren't they, Chris? You know, Brentford we you know did, did the double over of last season. The early on in the season, we travelled there and lost one 0 although we had a, we had a Stonewall more penalty turned down. Um and obviously they, they came to Goodison Park late on last season. In a game that we you know we were looking to, to win it to, to, to guarantee our survival and it all went a little bit wrong, didn't it with the, the jagger Brownsby red card and after being 2 one up we we lost the game three 2 a different Brentford side this season's got to be said they, they haven't got the 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 class and the the uh, the, the guile of of Christian Erickson pulling the strings in in midfield um a little bit inconsistent, you'd probably say as well um and I was only early on in the season. But we, we look at them uh, yesterday, got beat by by Fulham 3-2. Um, but a difficult side, aren't they, Brentford? The side that, you know, with the the kind of players that they've got, I always say a pace and power up top, Um, well drilled side under Thomas Frank, beat my United 4-0 obviously as well. They, they will cause us problems, won't they?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, with uh, Mbambu and and uh, Ivan Tony, they they, they interlock up there and they they make defenders chase them, but opens up spaces for other players in Brentford. And they're quite a tidy passing and moving team. And they, you know they do stretch other teams when, when they're on it. You saw that good when you know they came up here. As you say, it, it's early on and they haven't got Christian Eriksen to ping balls or hold the ball and move around and get moving the team around with him. It's it's a bit different. You have Dam's guard now, but not in the same ilk as Eriksson. He's a very talented lad as well. And he, I mean, he hasn't played for Brentford yet, so possibly be, you know he could be rocking up against us. And it's going to be a difficult game. I think it'll be different regards to last season, I think, because we're better at the back. Tarkovsky, Cody and Mason Holgate have been solid since they've been put together. And I think the midfield we have been a bit stronger. Maybe, you know, we could maybe see honor come into this one just so we can stretch it a bit and maybe have a well and in honor together. But, you know, I, it's one of them with front body you don't know, do you? But, yeah, they're, they're going to be a challenge because, you know I mean, our waveform as well isn't perfect, is it? And we, we do struggle away and we make, we do sloppy things at the back. And you saw that if, time and time again with Talkowski yesterday and just we just don't need that for someone with Ivan Tony you know chasing the ball because he's he's not going to miss opportunities if he's given them. Ivan
2: Tony linked to Everton this morning by the way so what's what's the space on that one but it wasn't a Daily Mirror so uh, I did that with a punch yourself. Um, but though you're right you're right you know, though the the mistakes you know the first two games of the season uh, you know, especially in the especially against Aston Villa it was our um, mistakes which cost us two goals you look, you look at the game against Forrest and you mentioned there James Sarkowski and he made two awful mistakes in the first half. Unlike him, normally he's very, very steady, very calm, does the simple things really well. Uh, but he made a couple of really, really bad mistakes. And, and I think, you know, they had, they had a little bit of pace in and around them and they, they used it well for us And that's the concern with Brentford. They've got that pace up top and, and can cause can cause real problems. So if we're going to be three at the back again... With the, the same three, Tarkowski, uh Conor Cody and, and Mason Holgate, then they're gonna to look to pull on, pull on Tarkowski, I would have thought, and and utilise their pace. You know, we look at the goals, especially the the one they scored on the break against Man United, how quick it was from back to front. We've got to be aware, we've really got to be aware of, of that that kind of um that kind of break from Brentford. But the the RSI, they are who, you know, they, they came up last season. Uh, Thomas Frank's been there for a little while now. They are well drilled. Everyone knows knows their role, um, and and th- th- the building that I think a heart-eastern side there, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they are. Yeah, you know, they they they, you know, they they had a really good run towards the end of our season to keep. They were they were plummeting at one point, weren't they? You know, potentially going to be involved in the relegation scrap, and they managed to turn that momentum around. Yeah, you know, we do owe we do owe them one though, because you know we went there. I remember going there last year in fear of playing them away there thinking, oh, this is going to be a really tough game. They were absolutely dire that game and they just managed to nick it one 0 If you if you cash your mind back to it, we should have won that game. Um and you know, they were, didn't impress me at all. And I think that was just around the time then they started really faltering. Um as I said, they you know they arrested that and then and then and came back strong towards the end of the season. But you know, they were two nil down in, in no time against Fulham yesterday and then brought it back to 2-2, and then Fulham obviously nicked it in the last minute with Mitrovic. So I do feel, I know you guys have mentioned, obviously, you know, mistakes, and I do feel a little bit more confident in us going away a little bit more now. You know, with the fact that we do have a few more leaders in the team, you know, the amount of times we have in the last few seasons where we've conceded one, then conceded two or three straight after it, I just don't feel that, you know, that's in, in us at the minute with the players now we've got, certainly at the back. Um, you know, the ability to, you know, you go away to some of these grounds, the first thing you've got to do is just is stand up to them, aren't you? And, and obviously have that personality on the pitch. I do think the likes of Cody and Tarkovsky, I think that'll definitely help us in terms of leaders in in, in the team. Um, the question is then, the age-old question is then, is, is, you know, what can we do at the other end of the pitch? You know, I do fancy us keeping a clean sheet, or certainly, you know, keep, potentially keeping it down to a goal. It's just whether we can score at the other end, that's the, the, the big worry for us. Is can we carry enough of a threat there to 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 get a couple of goals? Hopefully by then, like you say, we will have a couple of players in. Uh, It'll be right towards the end of the window, won't it? Next week, I think there's only about ten days left, isn't there? Or nine days left? So, um, you know, hopefully we'll have a couple of forwards that we can we can at least bring on the pitch uh, because we certainly need it. But it it will be a tight game. You know, there's no doubt about that. It'll be a tight game. But I just fancy us to to potentially nick it.
2: Yeah, like you say, the the leadership side of things is is important, of course. Um and, and going to away grounds and not crumbling is, is also important. I mean we can sit there and argue that 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 a villa you know, that Everton sort of crumbled a little bit, but I think that was more just bouncing mistakes and we showed we showed a reaction. Um so it shows you know in the face of adversity, we can we can look to try and get something from the game. Um, we shouldn't be going there full of doom and gloom, but again. It's so far in the distance that we've got this this game coming up against fleetwood first and i think that will will help in terms of motivation and getting us on some kind getting some kind of momentum behind us uh and we'll definitely play into into what happens on on saturday as well um so it's it's important that we go there believing that we can certainly get something from the game um but like you say you know transfers over the course of this week it, they are important and I'd, I'd love to see us do do a bit of work this week, Pete, to, to get a striker in before before the game against Brentford. To give at least give us options. You know what? As, as I say, I thought Rondon did it fairly well against Forest, but you know when he was taken off, and it appears to be as as I said earlier that he couldn't play ninety minutes anyway. It'd be nice to have somebody else to come on um, within that striker role, who who is who is a striker who who knows that role and, and can cause problems yeah def- definitely absolutely because it, it, you know again on on
1: the pitch that psychologically will filter through to the players you know that those players know if you know if you're chasing the game or you know it's, it's getting into later stages of the match and the goal hasn't come then all of a sudden you've got a lot of pressure and I, I do think you lose a bit of belief so knowing that there's yeah there's options on the bench to you know to come on and help the team i just think it's so important it's so essential and It looks like Brozier is the one that we're focusing on. And I I think this could be a a gamble that either really pays off or or really doesn't because, you know, by the looks of it, he fits the profile. He's exactly the kind of of, of player that we'd like. You know, he he can play across the three, six foot three. He's quick. Uh, You you know, he picked up goals and assists last season uh, for for Southampton. But, you know, if, if we get one point from our first five or six games, you know how much damage is being done to the, the the squad and the team that he's he's got to come into. So I'm I'm hoping Brozier isn't the only one that we're focusing on um, because we we do look a lot better with with Rondon. I, I think, but I think his age and his his current physical condition has been shown. Uh, you know, over the past couple of games, uh, and I think bringing Rondon off the bench when. You, you know, you, you're looking to get a goal. It's a lot of stages of a game. You, you're pinging balls into the box. You know, f- fantastic. Let's get him in there. But if you're looking to try and build and play out and play off someone, there's only so much time you're going to get from him. So I I, I do think I really agree with you, Mike. I, I think psychologically for the team, it, it's going to be really, really important to have someone, you know, even if they're on the bench, that can be available to come on. That's, that's a natural goal scorer. Uh, and I, th- I think there's been so many chances over the past two or three games where you think if someone just had that striker's edge, you know, that, that killer instinct in- instinct just to just to hit it when it's when it's in the eighteen yard box rather than taking a touch or trying to find the angle. That that's something unique to, to finishes that I think other players just, just don't have or don't have as naturally and we're really lacking that at the moment, aren't we?
3: Yeah,
2: massively so. Massively so. Um so to to get to get somebody In and around the squad over the next sort of five six days could could really help us to to push on and go into that game feeling that little bit better, Um, especially when obviously we're still insistent at times on going long, and it's just going to come straight back when you've got one you know Gordon McNeil or Gray playing playing central, and it's it showed that again against Nottingham Forest. But could be a busy week. I think it will be a busy week uh, in terms of in terms of transfers. I probably, you know, this is just just a pure pure speculation from my behalf, but I'd expect a couple of people over the line, to be honest, a couple of players in, and maybe one or two out the door as well. So there's going to be movements. It's going to get even busier. Frank Lampard said again yesterday, he alluded to the fact that a lot of our work in terms of this window is is going to be done, you know, from, from now onwards. So just the, the club are working hard to, to, get, to get those players in. But well, let's finish with our, our round of predictions, if we can, um, for the for the Brentford game. Um, Chris, what are you saying?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a cheeky 1-0 for us. We're going to nick it. Pete, you was confident?
1: Yeah. I'm saying 1-0, Tos- Tarkovsky, bullet header. He's going to redeem his stinker from yesterday.
0: Blake? Yeah, I, I think we'll nick it as well. Uh, you know, we just have to see it out, like I said, and, and, and show some personality on the pitch. So I think it's going to be two one. I can't believe we're saying I'm going to score two goals in a game. By the way, because we've scored one goal in three games.
2: that's not
0: that's our own players. Sorry, yeah.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All depends, as I say, who gets brought in. I think it. I think it'll be a draw. I think one all. Again, I mean, we've got we've got to get our first win. Of course, it, it's so important. But I do think it's a tough place to go. Um, so I, I'm going to go for a for a one old draw before we go into another massive week with uh, we'll obviously Leeds and the Merseyside derby on the on the horizon. But that's us for for today's show. Chris, really appreciate you getting out of bed after a couple of hours sleeping and joining us this morning. Uh,
3: appreciate you you guys letting me come on for the second time.
2: Always welcome, mate. Always welcome. Uh, And I'll come on and I'll I'll discuss the um, the Conor Ben Chris Eubank on your show and and give you my expert uh, insights into that as well.
3: Yeah,
0: more than welcome, mate. More than
2: welcome. Expert in inverted commas, there, mate. By the way, listen. listen, I've got history. Former former boxing writer, I was. I might might add. So I've got history in the uh, in the great the great sports. I just wouldn't step inside the ring. That that's for sure. Um, but no thanks for coming on really really appreciate it
3: thank you very much appreciate you as well
2: and that is us for this week we will be back next weekend hopefully after a positive week both on and off the pitch for Everton so we will catch you then
1: The Unholy Trinity Podcast Three Blues Three Opinions One Everton Podcast